Hey, what's up, change makers, social change agents, and the rest of us who really just want to celebrate the impactful social change actions being achieved around the world by our fellow humans. My name is Kayla J, and I'm your co-host with Amanda Jones, and we're happy to have you here and excited to share the rest of this conversation with you. I hope you let us in on the conversations you're having about the social change actions that you know of around the world. So let's hear more from Amanda. Welcome back to Beyond the Now. In this episode, Kayla and I debrief our interview with Jessica titled, Raising Courageous Leaders Through Malagasy Youth Development Program. Now, before you listen to our debrief, you're gonna wanna listen to Jessica's interview. During her interview, we discussed a few things, such as the five elements that Camp Fee uses to build courageous youth, Jessica's changemaker story and how it led her to create Camp Fee, and what it's like to run Ruffy in Madagascar, the social enterprise that came from her discoveries at Camp Fee. Yeah, it's great to reuse the things that um, you've already, you know, spend time and effort on not recreating the wheel every year, but yeah. that's brilliant. And what was, what is the relationship that you have with the parents? Because at the end of your thesis, you have the survey about um, how parents responded and what they would like to see next year. So maybe in the context of the pandemic, were there any um, parents that stepped in and said hey we would love to see this or help or like what was that kind of relationship like yeah the parents started kind of a parent association club to also in a way continue inspiring their kids or supporting their kids and they still reach us reach out to us every now and then and they stop by and they see me and they say hi. I didn't have an actual parent to actually come and ask for, you know, a financial or a financial help per se during the pandemic. But we had parents asking. So one of one of the moms of the kids who went to camp, she is actually working at Rafia Madagascar now, and mm-hmm. she was the one who asked when we'll be going back to work and everything and she and she said you know we can also work from home but and then I thought yes I know you can work from home but if I don't have anyone to purchase you know the the products that you make that's you know me investing in the money and I'm not selling them right you know yeah and it was just a really hard time in, in that way uh and right now we, we had one of one of the school principals actually reached out to us and asked for a sponsorship for an education week for next next week is international education week. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. And so Camp so Camp Fiavanana is going to be sponsoring the event where kids are gonna be coming in and they'd be seeking for mentorship and guidance on what to do beyond high school okay and there there's going to be booth setups and kids are coming and asking questions and can't is going to have one of the the booths so even though this year we didn't necessarily have a physical camp 
the the school principals are still thinking about Kim Fee and we just feel like we we're rooted in the community and they've seen the impact of our work and they come to us to support any kinds of education related work that they're trying to put together mm. oh that's huge so that's the yeah. beginning of partnerships for you mm -hmm. right yeah that's really amazing could you tell us a little bit more about uh, Rafia Madagascar? So when I said earlier, uh, there is a lot of uh, kids who stop going to school and partly it's because of early pregnancy, but part of it too is parents cannot afford sending them to school anymore mm. or they're by single parent and they don't have the, the parent doesn't have money to send the kid to school. Right now, camp only caters to kids who are still enrolled in school. And so I thought, okay, if they stay in school longer, then they have a higher chance to attend camp. So if I want them to stay in school longer, that means I need to find a way to employ the parent. Yes. And we have two main companies here in my town and one is a lumber company and the other one is a, a mining company. So, you know, that, that requires a lot of physical and, you know, so it's a lot of men work. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so what about the women who dropped out of school and who have kids but don't have the strength as the men do and who don't know how to write or read? And so that's how I created Rafia Madagascar because there we, we make everything handmade mm. with our hands. And so we braid everything, we sew everything, uh, we decorate, we do any kinds of decorations, interior design, and we work with the majority of single moms. So about 80% of the ladies that I work with, they're all single moms. And for so for every rug or tapestry that we sell we put a percentage of the sale to into education so that they so we can support the kids education too and so the mom that i was uh, talking about earlier she was able to send her daughter to college and finish college through this work too crazy that's yeah. amazing yeah so that that's kind of how Rafia Madagascar was, you know, got started be because of camp. That's amazing. And how did you camp see in yourself? Did you draw on any of your other strengths or skills when you were founding Rafia Madagascar? Like, why was that an intuitive step for you? Right. So you know that that test, the the personality test, uh, the strength test by. Yeah. Finders. Love that. Love so it. I'm a developer and, you know, since ever that I can remember. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like I am mostly fulfilled when I develop something and I'm also an achiever. So when I develop something, I feel really alive. And I just figured out that, you know, I wanted to do something that employed a lot of people, but I also wanted to do something beautiful that is different from what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a lot of people here make handmade things out of raffia and sisal and other things too. But I wanted us to be set apart because I wanted us to really focus on interior 
design. A lot of people make bags and accessories, but, but right now I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity in architecture. And so I wanted to take that route and I would always be doing something in my room. So like I painted this, um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. In the back. So I always, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Think, I always have to do something with my hands. So I, it just seemed to be the right next step for me to do things with our hands. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's so special. You found this intersection of skills that you love and ways to empower other women to take part in that and it's something that you enjoy I just think that's a perfect combination and really Thank something you. that I think people our listeners could uh, <laughs> and myself included could learn from yeah I think it's um it's we're mo we find our passions at that intersection right uh of what what interests us uh what makes us feel alive and and knowing that as we spend our life on you know this thing that we love we are uh seeing people uh reach their potential uh through that too so mm -hmm. yeah i'm just really curious like if you could uh share with us a little bit more about the processes of getting everything started what would you say was your high and low almost of uh getting the social enterprise start up and running right this was a roller coaster to be honest so during the social enterprise class, you know, you just had to come up with this big project for your final paper. And yeah. I always knew that I wanted to do something back home. And, and it was just, it was just a, a, a wing. Um, so I just created a website on uh, Squarespace. Mm -hmm. And I I was learning how to navigate Squarespace and I was trying to uh, find out some quotes about like how de designers would actually build the, the website. And there was this lady who wanted to talk to me first to really learn more about the, the style that I want and what I was trying to achieve. And, and we had a, a whole hour long conversation and she gave me a website that she's built before okay. and so she sent it to me and I, I took I took a look at it and and then it's it's also like a, a handmade furniture based in Texas and okay. and she was like this is something similar to what I hear you say so won't you take a look at it and then I did and I saw some uh some products that they're using that, that that's also Raphael Madagascar and and so I started clicking on it and found this huge company in New Jersey that that's importing raffia from Madagascar. And I reached out to them, and this they became you know my client, and they're they're huge, yeah. Um, and so that was just my first step, just creating something on Squarespace, mm -hmm. not really knowing what I was going in, getting into. And mm -hmm. after that, I saved some money while working full-time. So I worked at Seattle Pacific University okay. in the area admissions office. Uh -huh. And I worked there for about four or five months. So I was able to put money into my savings. And then when I came back here and I was able to develop some more of the kind of work that I wanted to do, and I, I was doing more research on the gifts 
that we have here in the local community and what the ladies can do and what they can make. And so it really started with one woman. I just asked her if she knew how to do a four style braid. And she came to me. Uh, she, she, I asked someone if she knew someone and then she came to me and then we started it. And then she brought two other ladies with her and then they started making this beautiful rug. And I was like, okay, this is a start of something. Yeah. But it took, us, it took them about almost two months to finish a rug. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, took a, it, it took some time. But right now we're really growing. And I think what's really challenging is to grow the business. So you think, yeah. okay, wow, I made this beautiful rug and my phone and my email is going to be, you know, full of calls and emails and of new clients. Mm -hmm but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we started. Uh, we always have to be really active on social media and, and really doing the cold calls. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would just be sitting on my computer for days, hours, sending, you know, a hundred emails to people and telling them what the products that we provide kind of like when you when you graduate and you want someone to hire you and you, you send your resume <laughs> to all these companies you know yeah. never know if they would get back to you yeah so that's kind of what how I started and from that I, I gained like really really good partnerships in the U.S. in Spain uh, in France So right now, right now we're actually working with a, um, a new company that's opening in uh, South Africa, actually. So oh. we're, yeah, we're processing their order. Uh, they just placed it a couple of days ago. So we're working on that now. So we're really, really excited about it. That's wonderful uh, to hear. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask this. I love this entrepreneurial inspiration and drive and passion that you're experiencing so beautiful and I'm so curious so what kind of clients do you have and how are you pitching to them you know the products that you have um where has that begun yeah. because like you said it's it's a difficult process to get well your first clients and then to maintain that flow so what does that look like for you now for instance uh there's there was this company in the U.S. I mean in New York that I didn't really think would ever get back to me but they actually did and they ordered a lot of things from us and you just have to do it and send it without really expecting anything in return and with the with the one in Spain for instance they I think they started following us on Instagram or I started following them on Instagram I can't remember and I just mm -hmm. sent this sent this message, this message on Instagram. I said, hey, I see that you have this product then we can provide those products for you, for you. And they said, oh, send us an email here and the rest was history. And we just shipped an, almost an entire container uh, to wow. Spain. Wow. Yeah, it was, our, it was my biggest client ever. In my mind, I was like, okay, well, if I stayed in the States, this would have been like my X amount of income for how many months, you know? Yeah. And here I'm usually like this, like with messy hair and shorts and working with the ladies here and, you know, yeah. 
versus being in, in the office all the time, which, you know, one day I would hope to have a proper office. So where I could be meeting my future clients and, you know, mm -hmm. doing interior design and, and such. But I think right now we're at a really good place for being a year into business and really having people getting to know us. Yeah. 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 And even then, I mean, you need to keep yourself in a state of hopefulness <laughs> right? and uh, in ingenuity to, to keep going. Yeah. Which kind of leads me to one of our like uh, more core questions. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know now? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think I would say to take more, to write down more, more details of things. Because right now, I know, I know that I'm making profit, but I don't have a defined, like, how much did I make? Hmm. Because I always spend and spend and spend on like different materials yeah. and I still don't so in terms of um account accounting I am not there so mm -hmm. I would tell myself to or my younger self or me um to really <laughs> I I wish I paid more attention in my accounting class when I had my accounting <laughs> class right yeah <laughs> all the elements yeah, come really, together in the yeah. end yeah uh, you know when you would try to balance the balance sheet and you're like but but where did the penny go or where where did the two extra dollars go yeah yeah, I, yeah. oh yeah i yeah. love that it's very practical very real i think <laughs> anyone advice. who's coming into adulthood and has a source of income like right we need to learn these things, but especially when you're becoming a business owner, I feel like that right. too. I've heard that from many people is like, no one taught me about accounting or finances. I just had an idea and mm -hmm. now I have to manage money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And even at camp, because we're a nonprofit and we have to mm -hmm. file taxes and everything. And the three of us uh, usually laugh about it because we, we would usually say like, who told us we started nonprofit anyway <laughs> you know uh when when accounting and filing taxes are becoming really really difficult and we have to figure out how to do those things the real practical things we wish we we had more experience in that or learn more about that in school and even in you know international business there's just a lot of paperwork to take care of that i wish there was a just a whole class about it but I think the way to really learn how to do it is by doing it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so thinking to the present moment and you've been through quite a bit this past year and starting another organization business um, to continue your change making work and it's it's a lot of work it's emotional labor physical labor and it's it's a process of building. So I'm curious how your network or your community is being a support to the work that you're doing. Um, and how is it helping to foster these, these things that you're so passionate about? I, th I would say my mom is a very good example for that. Mm -hmm. Been helping me a lot with, she, she's so used to the entrepreneurial work ethic 
and yeah. by doing I'm looking at her on how to do things and I'm taking on her her way of doing things and utilizing it to organize or to manage my daily work and my mom has been a huge help for that uh, in terms of recording everything managing you know a few an x amount of people that we're working with she's such a, a great uh, project manager and i'm learning so much from her in terms of self-care i i do a lot of morning runs still with my dad so at least i still get that um so my physical support my you know mental how would you say that mental health also um is really being supported by all those different activities too and i think right now what's suffering a little bit is my social life i would say just because there's a lot of work to do (laughs) and also and also the students who graduate who who are like in my class when i left back in 2011 they're all married and in the capital and we've kind of lost lost touch and we do you know I don't really have those kind of uh uh, like friend bubbles I would say Mm. um so I only have this one I wouldn't say one only one friend but I would say most of my friends are like the people that I work with and you and they're all older than me so I feel like I'm also learning so much from them and their you know their life experience I don't know if that really answered your question no it completely does and it even opens up a whole new conversation about how we the self-care that we uh, give ourselves as change makers who like you said you know we're learning so much all the time and our energy is focused on social change. So it's hard sometimes to build networks and communities of people outside of that even because um, maybe people don't understand the kind of work that you're doing. And um, I just, I relate with it so much because it's really difficult sometimes to, to feel seen and known and to have people around you who really understand and and think that the work that you're doing is valuable. So it makes total sense that the people you work with and your family are the ones who are standing by your side and being a huge support. Mm-hmm. And then if our listeners are really inspired by the work you're doing and wanted to get involved in some way, you know, obviously they can contact you, but I think there's also value in us asking to what extent do you see, oh, there's like, I need someone who knows or who has accounting skills I need uh, these kind of connections like you know are there any ideas or avenues that you feel like you're not able to explore because you don't have the right networks uh, or resources with you right now and what would those things be I would say in terms of camp fee it's usually how to fund our next camp because a, a, a full camp cost about $10,000 for us to put together. Mm. So finding the right connections, if we happen to find multiple donors to actually help us support camp, 
they don't they don't it doesn't have to be monetary but for instance uh we also need water filter for the kids because we do sports and not all the kids can actually uh, buy clean water and we don't always have to we don't always have the budget to actually buy bottled water for 30 kids mm -hmm. every single day of camp mm -hmm. right. so if people are thinking about a more of a long-term investment at camp there's this particular water filter that we've been looking at it's about 500 dollars, and shipping costs to madagascar might be you know kind of expensive too because you know it's from the u.s to ship to madagascar and it's literally halfway through and in and also in terms of camp we also do a lot of sports so any sports equipment so we do lacrosse uh, soccer and basketball at camp and we also take used or recycled material uh, materials or sports equipment so if people have played have played lacrosse before or if they've coached lacrosse before we take the gears and the sticks and the balls and the jerseys um that's in terms of camp and in terms of rafia madagascar we're also we're always looking for partnerships so i've been really really aiming and dreaming about working with a potential uh, hospitality development so like a, a hotel uh, development for instance mm -hmm. and they would be you know purchasing the interior such as rugs or pendant lights uh, any kind of interiors that they need to decorate their interior so we can work with and we've worked with different architects before who have designed things for their interiors and we would actually create them so and those kind of partnerships we're we're really be grateful for that mm -hmm. i love it i love that you've identified these very tangible things because these these things, if we don't say what we want or what we dream of, like I love that you said we dream to work with a hotel development. I just think those are so important for us to to continue to push for um, and to know that it's possible to dream that big, you know, to take the next step towards that, whatever, whatever that might is so exciting. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That you have accomplished so much and that you've pushed through and overcome so much and you're already seeing the fruit of all of that and it's going to impact generations and thank god for you because <laughs> I know that um we and our listeners want to see the world change um and we can only partner with the change that's happening at the moment and so what a privilege to be partnering with you even in just this conversation it's, I, I would say entrepreneurship is not for everyone because if you feel like you have the guts for the ups and downs and being okay with not always having uh, the same income every month and being okay with when the next client is going to be coming and being okay with all the problem solving you know challenges that you have to do because you're spending 90% of your time just 
looking for solutions yeah uh, problems if you're okay with all those things that i think you know you if you are listening to this and you've been thinking about entrepreneurship if you think that you can handle all those things i would really really say go for it yeah because you go so we just interviewed jessica uh who is an incredible human being having in the last three years started a kids camp uh in madagascar she's from madagascar herself uh as we just heard and then out of that initiative uh, or program she's started a social enterprise uh creating work for the uh majority of uh the children's parents who are single mothers and yeah let's hear some thoughts amanda what what was your like one of your first takeaways yes so i really was blown away talking with jessica about her experience uh, her education um, and then her cultural background in madagascar and like the complexity of that and i think um that really highlighted a lot of her struggles and then also her strengths within her journey as a change maker. And I think it's just important to, as well for myself and for her, I think to go through those stories and to understand that our context is so important and it informs the way that we approach social issues um, mm-hmm. and all the assumptions. And to be really vulnerable, right? Like Jessica is, Madagascar or Malagasy um and sometimes I think I look at uh change makers of different ethnicities who are working in a population of their same culture and ethnicity as like more genuine because I see myself as a white person yeah and a female white being easy and just trying to help everyone but really just being this silly white so it's really interesting talking with her and saying we have so many similarities and I, I should not put her or anyone else on a pedestal or put myself down for my ethnicity mm. for my privilege and my I mean of course there's that's valid to acknowledge those and see where my place is because mm. there is a certain place where I am more effective same mm. with Jessica so I think I really came face to face with that during this conversation and my own insecurities and assumptions and vulnerabilities. And by the end of the conversation, just felt very inspired. And I think I took a step towards maybe breaking down those assumptions and hopefully seeing myself as a change maker within this ecosystem and not seeing myself a part of it or in comparison to someone else. Absolutely. Um, You make such a good point. I loved how she was able to to connect with the principles of her cultural understanding and the baseline reality of of the culture of Madagascar, right? She emphasizes how uh, she even feels like an outsider simply because of her privilege. Um, And so, like you're saying, I think we need to celebrate when people people are able to make the strides that she's making within their own culture. 
uh, but uh, not take away from our own strength to make an impact. I think I'm careful. I'm careful with the words I use because I don't want to emphasize language that actually perpetuates certain perspectives that we often allow. Uh, well, like, you know, I think Jessica is the ideal. If you look at community development and you talk about it in academic sense and yada, 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 it's, it's the ideal, right? It's like that access has finally gotten to the point where someone from specific culture is able to uh, not develop their culture, but be part of the formation of their community. <laughs> and that's in essence, what all of us want to see, but because of the way we interpret power structures and the way we see ourselves as people who have the uh, agency to make change, we can, with the language we use, take away agency from others. And that is where there's a lack of co-powerment, right? Uh, and so that's so something that really stuck with me after the interview was the beginning of Jessica's changemaker journey. I really enjoyed hearing her story about going on runs with her dad and observing the people around her. And just this really small but powerful instance of uh, being a part of her community and being an observer, being curious. And I think those qualities are really important, especially... As we get older and we start to lose that kind of creativity and that small but profound observation, and I really just appreciated that she was drawing on that story and that it still had so much impact on her. And um, yeah, it just makes me think of some instances in my own life where I've neglected to observe the people and the small things around me. Just such small, small things like the way that someone around you is feeling or... The fact that maybe someone might not be expressing uh, anger or um, struggle, but if you listen closely enough or look closely enough and take the time, you might you might notice that. Um, you might begin to have empathy for someone or be curious about their story. So I think that's a really, really beautiful observation and, and just reflection that I was able to draw from Jessica's own story. I, what I heard her say in her telling us about how she and the two other uh, women that she has started these things with um, and these projects with is that without, without her having left her Madagascaran culture and being in the U.S. and then getting back to it and then being in the midst, in the depth of where other there's another like deeper level where all the kids that she's working with have never experienced any other culture i don't think that without those experiences she and her co-founders would not have come to those realizations within this context these kids need to talk about what is respect they need to talk about uh like daily social things before we can talk about systemic issues yeah i really want to think more about that differentiation um and how we approach that. And I think it's very valuable for anyone wanting to go into this work that to realize that slow is good because then we realize the, the hills we need to climb before we get to um, the right place. 
for a community to really talk about the change that they want to make ultimately right I just think it's so it's it's really sad uh how often nowadays we don't really know our neighbors and we're not so integrated to our community and we're not connected to the places that we live for me it really hits home in terms of the environment i think jessica's story and even just my own reflection on knowing our environment and knowing our home is that when we are connected and in relationship and partnership with the people and the places around us we have such a deep connection and love and and therefore greater impact because we're educated and informed about the people and the place that we live in there there's always going to be somebody in need you know right next door and there's always something that we can do in some small way there's something powerful about that small but tuned in observation so i just am really thankful for jessica and her story and the work that she's doing with her community and um, really hope that this also inspires you to take a look at what's around you whatever whatever it takes for for you to to get down a level and to to disconnect from all of the kind of abstractions of our day and, and maybe get to something really tangible and think about what you might do and then go do it. We're so glad that you listened to this episode of Beyond the Now. I know I learned so much with each episode. It's really a privilege to speak with our change makers. It always inspires me to find ways to support and encourage them as they're taking action on their visions and solutions for a more empathetic, diverse, and sustainable world. Speaking of, if you know someone who thinks beyond the now and is looking to build a life dedicated to social change, share this episode with them. Until next time.